Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Hey there, Playmakers. Welcome back. It's me, your host, Michelle Caruana. And today we are talking about something I feel very passionately about. Surprise, surprise. But I promise it's for good reason. The other day, I was doing some research for a YouTube video. And as I was going through some of the social media and websites of the indoor playgrounds I was researching, I was really shocked. You guys have already heard me talk in previous episodes about how incredibly important it is to have as many professional photos of your entire space as possible all over your online platforms because, again, I'm always surprised at how many indoor playgrounds don't update their websites after opening with really high-quality photography, but that's not what I noticed this time. What I noticed the other day in my research is that something else was sorely absent from many of these platforms. And that was the business's story. And I just kept thinking, gosh, what a shame, because some of these businesses I was researching, I was actually intimately involved with, and I knew their stories, and I knew how passionate the owners are, and I knew what drove them to put in all the hard work time, money, and energy into their spaces. And I knew everything that made the business unique and special. And for many of these businesses, I remember being blown away throughout their opening process because I got a behind-the-scenes pass in Playmaker Society, but I was blown away by the care and intention that was poured into these spaces by those owners. 
But here's the thing. You would have never known any of that by the website or social media platforms of these businesses. Now, I know you may be thinking, Michelle, I don't want to put my business out there. I prefer to be behind the scenes. And that is absolutely okay. You can share a really impactful business origin story while protecting your privacy. Or maybe your objection is you just don't know what to say, or maybe you don't think people will care about your story. Whatever your reason may be for not yet putting together your brand or business story and sharing it far and wide, I want to put an end to it today. My guest for today's episode is Mariana, the owner of Brand Magnetic, and she is an Emmy award-winning filmmaker who is as obsessed about beautiful, personal, and intimate video storytelling as she is about marketing and sales. So basically, she's a woman after my own heart. Her stories have been on the homepage of the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, and many others. She's also worked as a senior producer for NBC and Peacock and with brands such as Microsoft, Hulu, Wells Fargo, and more. She's also, as I mentioned, the founder of Brand Magnetic, where she helps entrepreneurs like us kill painfully long sales cycles, build trust faster, and sell faster with a two to four minute emotion-driven brand video. And in this episode, Mariana is going to share why every business needs a powerful brand story, even yours, how to structure your brand story in a way that grabs your audience's attention, how and where to share your story in a way that actually results in more customers and sales, how to work even within a budget to create a really compelling brand story video, how to still tell your brand story even if you don't want to be the face of your business, and much more. So whether you're already open or you're still laying your plans, I know you have an amazing story and I'm so excited to welcome Mariana to the show to help you tell your story in a way that moves your business forward by forming real connections with your audience. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Mariana from Brand Magnetic. Hi, Mariana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, so excited to be here, Michelle. I love what you do. Thank you so much. And I am very excited to talk about what you do. So let's get started. And can you just really quickly introduce yourself and let us know who you are and who you serve? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a veteran 15-year Emmy award-winning documentary filmmaker who realized that she was obsessed, equally obsessed with beautiful, emotional, personal, impactful storytelling as I'm obsessed with marketing and sales. And so I've kind of left my career as a documentary filmmaker to help business owners really stand into their story, if you will, shine a light on who they are, realize the importance of who they are for their business and for their clients. And we do that with a two to three minute emotion-driven brand video. Awesome. So it's really cool that you kind of combined these two interests. So How can storytelling be used to elevate a brand or connect with customers? Can you dive a little deeper into that? Oh, absolutely. It's my pride and joy. I love talking about this. So, you know, stories are used to connect since the beginning of time. So not to go back to like the prehistoric days, but this is what we do as humans. Uh, There's a reason why we say that facts tell and stories sell. We connect emotionally through stories and 
what happens is, you know, obviously there's a lot of competition for what you do. There's a lot of noise out there. There's more and more of it. People are consuming more and more information. They're on their phone a lot more. We all know that we, we understand it because we live it. And so the desire is to connect with your audience in a way that makes you stand out. And, you know, as a business owner, wouldn't we all love to have the time of day and the availability to have a coffee chat with every single person who discovers us, right? Let's say somebody lands on your website and let's say totally do, there's 50 of you. And one of you is going to, Hey, let me have a conversation with like, let me get to know you and you can get to know me and we can sort of get to know each other as people. That's how we connect with our friends. And so the idea behind telling your story as a business owner to replace that personal connection that we obviously cannot have with every single person that discovers us. And the conversation that people are having with businesses has shifted so much, uh, you know, in the last 10 years where instead of coming from an approach of this is what I do, this is the service, these are the hours that I'm open, this is what you can find here, you know, it's, it's way less about the bullet points of what your business can offer and way more about what is the experience and the feeling I'm going to have when I'm bringing my kid to your playground, when I am dealing with you as a service provider. We want that. We want more and more personalization. We want more and more human connection. People do business with people. You're not really buying so much a service as you are buying the experience of that service and the, obviously the results too, but we want that experience to be awesome. Why the heck not? Right. And so when we show up as people, real people in our business who have a real story that can be told in a way to emotionally connect with our audience, that's how we're going to a really stand out, b build that emotional rapport and c be memorable we can be top of mind by just showing up as ourselves with a really great formulated story. And speaking of memorable brand stories, because I know everyone is curious about, you know, what goes into crafting this. It's not just, Hey, here's me, my husband, my family, this is where we live, right? There are so many different elements to a story. So what really makes a brand story memorable in a way that makes people want to work with a business? That's a really great point, Michelle, because we we tend to not exactly know what story to tell. We're sort of like, well, what's going to be interesting? We we sort of assume usually that nobody's going to find any of our story interesting and then we don't tell it. Or we're like, I could have so many things to share. What exactly do I share? So the way the framework that I use with my clients is that we work backward from the feeling that your audience, your customer has when they have bought from you. So we talk about in business that important to build know, like, and trust. And so what we do is dive into exactly what does trust feel like and look like? How would you describe it? What, you know, what are, what are some more tangible things about that trust that is sort of the, the holy grail, the tipping point, at which point somebody who's been sort of following you or considering buying from you, at that point, they're like, that's it. Michelle, you're the person I'm going with. I love what you do. I love who you are behind your service, behind your product. And so we essentially reverse engineer that feeling. And that's how we identify, okay, which parts of our story are going to create that feeling of the exact color or aspect of trust that we want to create in our audience. 
And so I know that sounds like really abstract, but it starts with knowing and having those conversations with your best customers. Like, what is it that you love about coming here? What is it you love about your interactions with us, with our team? Have those conversations, get to know your customer in and out, and then just think, well, what parts of my story are going to bring those emotions right at the front forefront of our interaction? You know, when we, in my sort of service, when we talk about where to place your brand video, we always talk about what's called top of funnel. And what that means is it's essentially as soon as people get to know you, as soon as they come on your social media page or they land on your website or they are on your email list and they start getting emails from you, that's when you should create that bond because every other touch point after that is going to be seen through the lens of that emotional connection that you've built through your story. That's great. And I know a lot of my clients in the indoor playground industry specifically, they have this fear of being the face of their business. And they think that if they are the face of their business, it means they're going to be the one having to you know, answer <laughs> every single email, or they're going to be yeah. the one having to post on Facebook every single day. But that's probably not necessarily true. You can tell your story while still, you know, remaining private and not giving everything away. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you shouldn't give everything, right? It's really about understanding very specific parts of your story. that are going to resonate. You don't have to show I don't show my kids on social media. I don't, you know, you really have to understand what is going to make that connection. And to your point, you know, it, it's important to connect with a human. Companies that don't have a human face have to work so much harder to create that emotional connection. If you think about Apple in each and every touch point that they have, there's some sort of emotion. I don't know if you've seen the recent commercial of the outlet on the wall that's singing that he's lonely. He misses the phone because the phone now has a battery life that lasts forever. So they're not seeing each other anymore. And so that's just there's so much more work to do when you're not the face of your business. Um, and, and the other thing too, because, you know, if you're building a business, it typically, it may or may not have your name on it. Right. And so while you may still be the face of that brand for that emotion, emotional touch point, what you're doing is just setting the standard is, is just welcoming people into that experience. And then maybe in other posts, you're introducing your team, you're having other people show up and it's not just, pictures of your facility or pictures of your service, or here are the websites I've created, whatever your service might be, you know, it's essentially establishing that emotional connection through you. And then using all the other touch points after that to sort of display, you know, your team again, and, you know, everything else that can kind of fill in the experience, but you've created that emotional connection first. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And, you know, you keep talking about your brand video and your brand story, like it's, you know, kind of a one-off, but mm. is story something that you recommend we kind of interweave into our email copy, um, other pieces of marketing material as well? Yeah, absolutely. The, think of it, think of it like this. If you're not using story, your copy is going to be really dry. It's going to be facts. That's that's all that's left when we're not talking about story. And so from the experience of the person who's consuming your emails or coming into your website, everything should be story. That's what carry us, carries us through to the end where we're maybe having a call to action. Stories are what's memorable. You know, there's, I, I wish I had the statistic off the top of my head, but stories are so much more memorable than facts. And so 
make the experience enjoyable. Don't always be selling, be connecting always with an offer. You know, you have that offer, it's available, but the more you connect with people, the more they're going to be magnetized to what you're offering versus you having to kind of push it on them in any way. Like nobody wants to be sold, but everyone wants to connect and buy with a friend. Absolutely. And it doesn't always necessarily have to be your story, right? Like for example, if you're trying to sell a first birthday party package or something like that (laughs) in an email, a lot of indoor playground owners will say, here's our pricing. Here's our package details. It's again, like you said, very bullet points, very sterile, very, here's our offer, take it or leave it. But what I found so much more impactful is saying, you know, here's an example of a client that we had. She was so stressed leading up to the birthday party. We were so thrilled that we were able to take all of those things off her plate. And she was able to spend the day actually making money with, or making money, making (laughs) memories with her family instead of, you know, running around clearing plates and making sure the balloons are right and making sure the food was served hot and things like that. And, you know, when people in our industry make those changes, I've definitely seen them start to attract those higher paying clients, those Mm -hmm. higher quality clients that they love to work with. Has that been your experience as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you just paid, painted such a beautiful picture, such an incredible contrast of the two types of ways that you can talk to your customer. And so in the story that you just shared, like think of all of the ups and downs, all of the emotions involved in all of the things that you really take away. Ultimately, you know, it's not just about your price point. It's not just about what the room looks like to have this event. It's about what are you experiencing in it and to draw people in through that experience, through those feelings. And yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I ever go without telling a story, whether it's in a post or whether it's an email. Um, and there's no better joy than having people respond to your email and be like, oh, I love that story or like, oh, I can relate. So the moment that you're relating with your audience, you're going from a transactional experience to an ex, you know a feelings-based relationship experience and that's what you want to create. Like this this these are the people that we love working with and that we talk to everyone about. So why not have your people love you and love the every interaction with you? They can get the prices at some point. Just have a click here like come over to my website. It's all here if you need it. Uh, but you know, you're not pushing the sale. You're, you're really just offering your experience as a friend and like, Hey, we get you. We understand you. People want to be understood. (laughs) People want to feel like they're, they're in the best of hands, whether it's for a birthday party or for a service that, you know, you're providing for your indoor playground. Who doesn't want to feel like the person that they're paying money for has got their back, understands their pain points, is going to provide an awesome service at the end of the day and really is doing it with joy. So telling that story makes all the difference. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you said that because one of the biggest objections I hear from my audience, and if you're listening, I bet I've heard this objection from you before, is that, you know, it feels icky to send emails. It feels too salesy. And it is honestly like, pulling teeth to get my audience to send more than one email per month. And that even feels like too much for them. So I'm so glad you brought up the fact that every email doesn't have to feel transactional. It doesn't have to be a direct call to action to book here, buy here. It can be very, you know, it can feel very intimate. Even if you're sending an email blast to 10,000 people, you can write it as if you're speaking to just one person. And 
I think that really is the power of story. And what I was kind of getting to earlier is a lot of people have this fear that, you know, if I'm sending these very intimate one-on-one emails that I have to literally send these emails to every single person. And a lot of people say, wow, Michelle, you know, your emails, it feels like it's just us talking. And that's something Mm -hmm. I've had to develop very intentionally over time. But a lot of people reply as if I'm literally sitting there and typing an email to them. So they have (laughs) this fear that, oh, if I incorporate this into my business, there goes all my time. I'm going to have to literally sit down and, you know, (laughs) share my story one-on-one or I'm going to have to, you know, spend all my time actually communicating one-on-one. But there are ways through storytelling that you can, again, mimic that one-on-one experience while doing it at scale and while still embracing automation in your business. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I think the key is really having a single person in mind when you're writing it, just pick your best client, pick the one that you've already perhaps developed a rapport for, pick the mom who had an awesome birthday experience in your, in your space and just write to her, write to him and, you know, make it feel intimate, make it feel conversational, put some humor in there, make it fun. You know, there's who doesn't want to get an email that make that lightens up their day. And that's how we should be looking at every single communication. And you happen to represent a business who has an offer. They know that you don't have to keep, you know, there's no shoving necessary and there's no, you know, it doesn't have to be dry. Truly, if you're running a dry email, I would say don't even bother doing it once a month. But on the flip side of that, really use the power of having that email list to build rapport with your audience, to build that connection, to keep yourself top of mind through an email that's written to one person with color, with flair, with the story. It doesn't, and and listen, I might be making it sound more complicated than it is. It really is as if you were talking to a friend and telling a great story. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. I feel like you know, before I was a business owner myself and I was just a filmmaker, I wasn't writing emails to an audience. I didn't have an email list and it, tr- I could, but I could tell, you know, I, I really observed the emails that I like to open and read. I really observed the subject lines that caught my attention and the ones that were kind of boilerplate and were promotional. Those I don't open, but if it's, if, you know, essentially I'm, I'm keeping tabs on the things that intrigue me and I'm learning from them and it really just gets easier over time. It's a muscle that you build. You start, you start imperfect and that's okay. Start with a story, you know, and then work your way to maybe get feedback from somebody else. Be like, Hey, did you, did you find this interesting? Or was it, was it too long, too short? You kind of experiment with the length a little bit, but there's, there's no way you can really mess up. If you're being authentic, if you're being, you know, relationship based versus transactional, Uh, and your audience is going to love you for it. And it's just going to get easier with time. I love how you said that, you know, it's great to even just lighten someone's day a little bit. A lot of us feel like, well, every single email I send has to have value in it, or it has to have a promotion (laughs) in it, or it has to have something like that. And we forget that bringing a smile to someone's face is providing value. If you tell a funny story, entertainment is a value add in someone's life. So I'm so glad that you said that. (laughs) so true. And we've talking we've been talking a lot so far you know about words and copy and things like that. So I want to kind of transition back to video. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that make video a really effective way to tell a brand story and to really connect with your audience on a deeper level? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm thinking about the brand video and when we're working with clients on their brand video, we always look at visuals as a care. It's almost like a character in the story. So it's nearly, if not more important than the words that you're saying. And the power of using visuals in the, in, in the way that they should be used is that they help create emotions without you realizing it. <clears throat> we, we do something called narrative transportation. And when you can do this effectively, it's so freaking powerful. And what that means is when you're taking somebody along on a journey where they feel like they're not thinking with a part of their brain, that's going to be like, okay, what are they selling me? How much is it going to cost? Can I afford it? How does it compare with this person and their prices? So all of that part of your brain is shut off. And all you're doing is going on this emotional journey. And when I say emotional journey, we, we don't mean that your story has to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be, you know, it really intense in any way, but it has to be either enjoyable. You know, I would say for the indoor playground space, make it fun, make it, make it funny, make it um, relatable. All stories should try your best to make them relatable. Just think of the universal sort of touch points of our emotions and find the story that will, uh, that will hit on those. And so again, the visuals that we're looking for are unexpected. We're trying to find visuals. We're trying to think of visuals that are not what you would expect to see when you're hearing a certain thing. So they're not literal, you know, think of the visuals that will really reveal emotion versus facts, right? So if, and the other thing that we really uh, do in a brand video is it's not a marketing tool. Think of it as more of a conversion emotional connection tool. So at the end of a brand video, you're not visit my space, book here, call now. There's no call to action. It's literally like we've gotten to know each other. It's like you're having coffee with a friend. You don't say like, hey, so here's my card and uh, click on that QR code and you can buy my service. You don't do that, right? But you've created an emotional connection. That person remembers your name. They've now formed this connection with you that every time they see you, every email they get, every post that you share is going to be coming from a friend instead of from a business that's trying to sell them something constantly. Uh, but going back to what you said about visuals, it's really just thinking about them creatively, thinking about them as like, you know, if you're, if you were to illustrate the story without much thinking, what visuals would you use? And then essentially try not to use those, <laughs> try to think of something that's a bit more creative out of the box, you know, cause those are all uh, retention tools as well. Those are all things that will keep people watching your story in that emotional space so that they've created this really awesome feeling at the end of that. And again, they're seeing you now as a friend versus just a business that's trying to make money. I love that. And I love the idea of, you know, thinking outside the box in that way. I'm going to have to challenge myself to do that. <laughs> so do you always recommend hiring a professional to create a brand story? Listen, a brand story can be as simple as telling your story on your phone. I will say this. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult to tell your own story, kind of like you can be the best surgeon in the world and it'll still be difficult to perform surgery on yourself. And so whether you're hiring a professional to help you with this process, whether you're getting a trusted friend who knows you, who knows your, your audience, that, that would be my one um, recommendation if you're doing this with a peer or with a friend is to make sure that they know 
what that end goal is. What is that feeling of trust is whether you, whether they know that already or whether you share that with them so that they're seeing your story through that lens of your audience. It's not meant for your mom or your neighbor. It's meant for your audience. And so as, or maybe take your favorite, you know, your, your great already one over raving fan client and sort of test your story out with them. Like, Hey, if you were to hear my story in this way, would it make you feel like how you feel now about me having worked together, having had your kid's birthday party and it was so awesome and you've already gotten to know us, you know? So it's, it's not a, you know, you can, you can also fix your tire on your own, you know, like there, there are levels of um, how you can do this. And what I recommend everyone, whether you hire a professional or not, whether you work with me or not, whatever the case may be, do this, do this because your audience experience, your business is just going to be so much better for it. It's going to help you stand out. It's going to help you be seen as a friend. All those things we've talked about, even in its most simple form of you're sharing your story to, to camera, to your phone, and you're posting that, at least do that. That will still be really effective. And when we are, you know, kind of figuring out what we want our brand story to look like, whether we're working, you know, with a professional or if we're working with you or not, do you have any tips when it comes to structuring that brand story? So, you know, people keep their attention and they feel that emotional connection. Yeah, absolutely. So most stories will fall into two frameworks that I teach. One is an overcome framework, which probably wouldn't apply to your audience. It's basically, you know, if you're a coach, for example, and you're helping somebody overcome something that you overcame. For the most part, I would say folks that are in your space, the indoor playground space, they have a passion story. So that's the other story. Now there's less of a structure there, but what I do recommend folks think about in terms of keeping people engaged and like what, how do you actually create that emotional connection is thinking about what story would really illustrate your passion for what you do. Think of the things that are quirky or colorful or really stand out about either your childhood or why you started this business in the first place. That's what people want to connect with when they come to a business owner. You know, they're not coming to you again for coaching, which is typically my clients or coaches, but the ones that are not they have a passion story. And so when I, I have a passion story because I don't teach filmmakers. So it's really about understanding what made you want to do this. What exactly are the things that make your heart beat faster in being in the service that you're doing right now? Um, And that could look like, you know, a million different things. If I were to give you an example for uh, one of my clients is a podcast teacher and her story is a passion story. She but she, at the time when we were working together, she didn't even have her own podcast. So it was like, we couldn't tell the story of how she started her podcast. So what we did was in her case, we understood that her audience loved working with her and learning from her because she is obsessed with systems and organization. And so a couple of the stories that came out from that are that when she was a little girl, she used to put her markers in rainbow order. And she loved just putting everything in order. She would put books on the shelf in like colored order. <clears throat> and then another one is she loved jigsaw puzzles. And she, cause I was asking her, what are your hobbies? These, these are the questions you can ask yourself. And so she said jigsaw puzzles thinking, well, that has nothing to do with podcasts. Right. But I was like, well, a jigsaw puzzle is a bunch of different pieces that make no sense until you have a roadmap, until you have a guide who's teaching you how to make this awesome 
picture at the end of the day. So it's, again, it's a completely non-literal, excuse me, way. It's a completely non-literal way to illustrate her passion for systems but it's colorful and it, it draws you in. So that those are the kinds of visuals and stories that you're looking for. The unexpected, the quirky, the colorful, uh, obviously having a good hook is very important. If you're, if you're online at all, you know that already. So having a really awesome curiosity uh, inducing hook into your story and then surprising them along the way, keeping people watching, not feeling like you're just using their time to tell your story. You're really taking them along on a journey of who you are and just having that beautiful connection in the process. I love that story because, you know, a lot of people assume that in order to connect with someone, they have to, you know, connect with them like one-to-one, right? I like that you're, you like this and I like this, you're like this and I'm also like this. (laughs) But I love that story in particular because it actually highlights how, her being a little bit different, right? She's very organized. She's very, she loves systems. That would really Mm -hmm. attract me as someone who doesn't really have a lot of systems, who lacks in those skills. So a lot of people, you know, assume, well, you know, I have to relate to my customers, you know, in order Mm -hmm. to sell to them or in order to form that relationship. But sometimes it's the opposite. And (laughs) really, again, find points of connection by, you know, celebrating our differences because, someone who, you know, bringing it back to the indoor playground industry, someone who wants to book a very high ticket birthday party, they don't want to spend three hours, you know, putting together a balloon arch. They don't want to have to, you know, run to 10 different stores the day of the party. They're probably, you know, they probably work full time and they just want to focus on that milestone and celebrating their child. So I love that that story shares an example of how, you know, a a story can actually showcase a really unique way that you can take that burden off of your customers. So I love that. Did you have any other um, examples of brand stories to share? Because I think that one was really powerful and it probably got um, some wheels turning out there. (laughs) Yeah, I think, again, the passion story doesn't really fall, unfortunately, or fortunately into too much of a structure. It really is about just looking for those stories that uh, will illustrate why you love doing what you're doing. And I actually wanted to comment on something you just said, which is this idea that to relate to our audience, we have to have a similar story to them. And to the point that you just made, sometimes it's quite the opposite. Relating to them is just understanding where they're coming from. If I were a mom of several kids and I'm just looking to quote, fix the problem of like, let's have a great birthday party for one of my kids, right? My life is probably chaotic, super busy. I'm all over the place. What I need is not somebody who's chaotic, super busy and all over the place. I need the exact opposite. I need to know that I'm going to be in good hands. And so, you know, if I'm thinking about if that is the case for your audience and that's what they're looking for, they're looking for a partner, somebody who's going to make them go, I'm in good hands. Like you've got this. Okay, great. Thank you. Like, I'm imagining that's probably the relationship that clients will have with, with uh, you guys. And so what you, you know, I think maybe the systems ideas might come into play here. Maybe the fact that you, you run a really tight ship, but it's still super fun. You know, maybe there are things about um, how you do things with your kids where, you know, I'm always in awe of these moms that like bullet point the trip to Disney and prepare everything in advance. And so maybe that's your quirk where, where if I'm, 
hiring somebody to organize my kid's birthday party. That's the one I, <laughs> that's the person I want, you know, cause I'm not going to do that. That's not how I function, but I, I want to pay for that value because it's going to bring me relief. Please don't relate to me because you would also kind of be all over the place planning your kid's birthday party, right? You know, they're paying you for the fact that you can bring value and relief and an amazing experience to their lives. And so, I mean, maybe that's an example that's helpful or not, but just this idea of show me how you help me without telling me that you can help me and how much it costs. Like just, just show me an example that illustrates this part of your personality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so funny because, you know, a lot of people hear, you know, the word that you were saying earlier, authenticity, and they think that means you have to share everything. You have to share (laughs) all the messiness. You have to share every issue that comes along the way when that's not, you know, always necessary for an effective brand story. Oh, not at all. Um, I think it's, we still have to have our customer in mind. It still has to be what's in it for them. So if you're just literally opening the doors to every part of your life, you're not thinking about curating your story for your audience. And so one thing is sharing your story with a friend at that point, you know, whatever level of friendship you have, you're going to share as much or as little as, as you want to. But when you're, this is a strategic conversion tool. This is really for your business. So it's not a free for all in terms of everything you share. That's, that's a really good point. That's not what authenticity means. Authenticity means sharing the parts of who you are that you know is going to drive your business forward. And I don't mean that in a cold calculated way. I mean that in just like a smart way, you know, we, we don't want to know everything about everyone if they're not our real life friend. Right. And I think it's, it, it's probably, I, I would say most folks could err on the side of sharing, feeling like they're sharing too much and they're probably just hitting the sweet spot. Uh, but ultimately, if you don't feel like it's relevant or if you feel like it's personal, absolutely don't share it. You know, there's plenty of things that you could share about your life and about who you are, your personality that wouldn't feel invasive and that would just feel like you're establishing a friendship. Yes. And I, it's funny, I always tell this story because a lot of people will come to me thinking, oh, you know, I can be the one behind the counter 24 seven. I don't need a staff. I'm going to operate really Mm. leanly. And I always tell the story that, you know, that's a great idea in theory, but you know, the first year I was in business, I was behind the counter with one potty training, two-year-old, one Mm. infant breastfeeding. (laughs) And, you know, I thought that I would be the one that had it all together. And I am very type A, I'm very organized and kids just, you know, humble you. They have that way of doing that. (laughs) And I always tell them, you know, I can't imagine as a customer walking in and seeing this completely frazzled, overwhelmed business owner behind the counter. And I'm absolutely positive. I lost a lot of high ticket sales Mm -hmm. because I was maybe a little bit too you know, customer facing, (laughs) I let them into my life a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, exactly what you said, somebody coming in to book a birthday party, they're probably not going to look at that situation and say, yes, this is the person (laughs) that I would like to spend, you know, thousands of dollars um, on to host my child's birthday party. This is going to go off without a hitch, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that's a great example of, you know, you can be authentic without having to let your customers in too much or without having right. to share too much of, you know, the messy, yeah. the messy. We all have that closet where a couple of things get dumped into that will be dealt with at some point. 
but that's not where you're bringing your guests into, right? And and I would say even more so if your guests are potentially paying you a lot of money, like you want to, it's still a service. It's still, you know, when I say friend, I, I still mean that in the form of you're a friend who's offering a service and who's getting, who's going to get paid for it. And so there's, there's a part of that service that, you know, we want our, our chef, our waiter to look like they're clean. We want the restaurant to be clean. We don't, you know, we're, there's an expectation of, <clears throat> of, you know, good service at the end of the day, if we're paying for it. And that's, I think it's, you know, bringing your personality, your color to a really good service. You know, the, the, the basics still remain, they still should be there. Absolutely. So let's say we, you know, work really hard and develop this brand story. We find those pieces of connection that, you know, build a relationship, but don't give away too much. So let's say we've kind of, you know, found that. Mm-hmm. And let's say we, you know, put our brand video on our website, we find the best place to put it. Where else or how else can we leverage that brand story in our other marketing and social media yeah. materials? Absolutely. So your brand video should really be at the top of your funnel, meaning every time somebody comes into your universe, that's the very first thing they should watch. And so what I recommend is yes, on your website. In fact, the about me page or about us page is the second most visited page on any website. Why? Because people actually want to know who you are. So tap into that. So you can either put it on your homepage and on your about us page. If you're not like the very front facing face of your brand, then you might just keep it on your about us page. People will probably click there and pin to the top of your social media profiles. I highly recommend that. So it should be pinned right up top on your Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever your Facebook, if wherever you're um, interacting with your audience, wherever you're posting. And then another really awesome place that I recommend is when people come into your email list, there should be an email in that sort of what we call welcome sequence where you're introducing yourself, right? So I had a client do this. This wasn't even my idea. I thought this was so brilliant. I would have just said link to your brand video there, right? And what she did was she created some gifts from that brand video and interspersed them with her introduction. And she said her response rate like skyrocketed. People, she'd always had that email in her sequence where she tells her story and then she asked people, hey, what's your story? Nobody would respond. Why? Because they'd just gotten to know her. They weren't comfortable with, resp- you know, sometimes when you're starting to interact with the business, you're doing it in your own time and space. You're kind of just sussing things out. I call it skeptic Sam. They're just like, hmm, let me see what this is about. Let me see what this person's about. I'm not going to look or act too interested. I don't want to be approached. I don't want to be sold to just let me do my thing. Kind of like when you walk into a closed store and you sometimes you just want to look around, right? Don't need help. Thanks. Um, so respecting that. But with the, the second that she introduced those gifts into the email, and then obviously had a link to her brand video there. She said her response rate went through the roof. People just felt so much more connected to her after watching her brand video that they started responding with their story. And so maybe you have a story of a birthday party that you threw for your kid. Um, Maybe there's some humor in there. Things that, again, your audience can relate to still come across as professional, but maybe there's like one little quirk that you can introduce like, oh, we all know how I haven't thrown too many birthday parties for my kids, so I, I wouldn't even have an example off the top of my head. Or we know how, we all know how we might be one candle short or something, something like that. And so 
something relatable, something fun that really, you know, once you create that emotional connection, people are, they can't help but take action. They can't help but react. Like that's just part of how we interact with people, part of how we tell stories, uh, the real relationship, the real way that we connect as humans is not a monologue. It is a back and forth. And so once you can trigger that, like, Hey, I'm human and I have this awesome story and we can relate and let's be friends without being super pushy. Like don't, don't be a groupie, but that will, you know, tends to naturally get people to open up as well. And, you know, kind of share their own anecdotes. So that would be the third place I'd recommend for you to host your brand video. There are a couple other places, but those are sort of the top three. That's awesome. I love those specific examples. And just to make this, you know, even more actionable before we start to wrap up, you know, when you watch a brand video, because I know you mentioned like commercials and things like that, I'm sure you look for brand stories everywhere. Yeah. Are there any elements or things that people include in a brand story that make you say, you know, wow, this is going to be really effective? Hmm, that's a really great question. I feel like the ones that are most effective are the unexpected. It's almost like the answer to that is that there is no single thing that is sort of present throughout anyone's particular story. I think it's really understand. Again, it all depends on your audience. So even potentially more of a reason why a single thing might not apply to everyone. But in the case of your audience, I would say like, to me, it's just showing me that you, you get, I'm, I'm a new mom, so I haven't hosted a ton of parties, but I would say sort of to the example that we spoke to earlier, I'm looking, I would look for somebody who has their S together, who, who knows what they're doing, who I can feel like, Hey, I'm going to pay you and you've got this. Thank you so much for taking this off my hands. And I can just come in and enjoy the fun with my kid. Right. Um, and so it's demonstrating that you're that person, but you're also somebody who really cares here we go. That's the answer to your question. Show me that you care. Show me that you're not just somebody with a business who's trying to make money, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not who I personally, and a lot of people don't want to first do business with somebody like that. They want to do business with somebody who knows what they're doing as an expert, but is also somebody who really cares about my experience during that moment of business, (laughs) whenever I do pay you for that. So if there's an element that should be present in every brand story and every brand video is some way where you're showing me who you are, your personality, your values, but also that you really care about me and that you get me. I love that. And, you know, as brick and mortar businesses, I know in the online business world, you know, everybody always says, oh, you know, scarcity isn't real. There's room for Mm -hmm. everybody, but in the brick and mortar world, there really is, Mm -hmm. you know, a limited amount of customers that we can serve. And, We were chatting a little bit offline about this, but something I noticed amongst indoor playground websites is that nobody is really effectively telling stories. So I think there's a huge opportunity. And one of the biggest things I speak about with clients is this fear of competition. So do you think Mm. story could be a great way for people to really differentiate themselves amongst competition, especially in a very real scarcity situation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I say two things. One, when they, when they're sold on you, they'll buy anything you sell. That's, that's kind of a big statement, but just, just take the essence of that. The second thing I say is that when you own who you really are, there's no competition. So there's only competition 
when you are limiting to thinking about yourself as this is how much it costs, this is what my space looks like, these are the what the actual brick and mortar looks like. When you're limiting to looking at your business in that way, 100% there's competition, 100% you should be scared. When you instead look at yourself and your business as this truly unique universe, this truly unique relationship that only you, because of who you are, can have with your clients. And if it's not you directly interacting with them because you have a team, that's the standard that you've set. That's the vibe that you've created. There is no competition. And just own that. Own that what you bring to this world and what you bring to your business, nobody can bring that same magic. Nobody can bring that exact same experience. The the way that you see the world, the way that you care about your customers is going to be unique to you. And so the more that you own that, the more that you could just do not spend your energy worried about competition, spend your energy focusing on building that relationship with your customer. And that will pay for itself tenfold because people are going to have that magical interaction with you that they can't have anywhere else. And guess what? They're going to start doing your marketing for you. They're going to spread the word for you. They're going to share your posts for you. They're going to do the heavy lifting for you because you've shown up as yourself and you've brought yourself into your business. Definitely, definitely bring yourself into your business. That's the key. That's reason enough alone for me to you know, really... <laughs> Because, you know, when I opened my business, I was one of those people who was a little bit afraid to be the face of my business. But that reason alone, I think, is a great justification for getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and sharing a little bit of your story, even if it is curated. So last question before we kind of wrap up. I know you mentioned, you know, response rate and engagement and things like that. If we do create a brand story and start putting it out there, how can we know that it's effective or how do we know that we might need to tweak it, right? How do we measure that success? Um, well, there. I wish that brand stories and brand videos worked like Facebook advertising, where you have so much data and you know exactly what people are doing, or maybe a little less so since the iOS change. But unfortunately, it's not. Branding in general is a little bit off of feeling, a little bit off of experience that you're going to see results to in the long run or hopefully not too far off. Um, but there are a couple ways to measure the effectiveness of a brand video if you decide to invest in one, and that is to A-B test. So depending on what your sales page looks like, you can also say like, this is what my business was doing before, <laughs> and this is what it's going to be doing now. Um, the other way is if you have a sales page, you can have a sales page with your brand video and one without. Maybe you have a, a copy of your website. With, that sounds complicated, but it's actually not. Most platforms will let you sort of A-B test different pages. So maybe track your customer journey through ha having seen the brand video or having not seen the brand video. Ask your customers, you know, especially the ones that you um, are able to have a little bit more conversation with. Hey, did, did you notice that new video that we posted? What did you think? It, this is obviously like really uh, quantitative <laughs> information or qualitative rather. It's not as easy again as a dashboard that's going to present you with numbers, but you will see a difference. Every single client that I've worked with, and again, do this on your own, go tell your story on your phone. And that will already be a huge move that you can make for your business. Every single person that I've worked with that has told their story has seen really great reactions, has seen people I've, so a couple of things I've heard are like, 
I used to take five different emails going back and forth before somebody would jump on a call to work with me. And now we jump on a call immediately and they already know me. So we're going straight to talking about how can we conserve them? And, you know, these are, again, if you collect all of these different data points, you can kind of get a sense that, you know what, human connection works. (laughs) There's a reason why there's so much science behind it. There's that one last stat that I'll give you, which is a study that was done by the Harvard Business School, which was 95% of purchasing purchasing decisions are made subconsciously. And emotions are the biggest driver of the subconscious. And so if you think about the fact that it's less about exactly what you're offering and more about way more about the connection and the emotions that you are experiencing through that purchasing decision, you'll realize that this is a truly effective way to increase your sales I absolutely and have more fun. <laughs> I love that. And something that we as brick and mortar owners have, you know, a real advantage in is we interact with people face to face all the time where, you know, online business owners don't always have that, you know, real time connection with people. So for me, when I started really incorporating my story into my materials, I all of a sudden saw people approaching me saying, hey, you know, I loved this poster. You know, I booked the party because I heard you tell this story and it just, I had a light bulb moment. So for me, once people started to bring up these stories Mm -hmm. that I was telling in my DMs, in person, at, you know, client parties and things like that, that's when I was like, okay, this is really making a difference. So if you are a brick and mortar owner and you work with people in person, you're going to start seeing people bring these stories up. They're going to mm-hmm. approach you with, you know, comments on these. So if that's something that you start to see, that's, I think, a really great sign that your story is working and that it's moving purchasing decisions forward. Yeah, I actually, that reminds me of a story I read in a book. Um, I think it's called The Visual Sale. And it talks about how, uh, I think they were selling pools. They were, it, w- it was a pool business. And typically what they would do is you would call them up and you would schedule an appointment. They would arrive at your house, ding dong. Hey, I'm John. Let's talk about your pool or what that would look like, how much that would cost, right? Very boilerplate standard sales interaction. What they started doing was John created a video and it was very simple. It was him just introducing himself. And that video was linked. That's actually another place you should put your brand video in the signature of your email address or of your emails. And so John's little video was there. There was a little thumbnail. People clicked on it. What would happen when John started showing up at people's houses? They're like, Hey, John, Hey, like there's, there's, there's no way that you're going to forget who John is once you've heard his story. And if you can walk away from any, with anything from this podcast episode is that once people know your story, you go from unknown to unforgettable. You become a person that they'll remember. You, you'll become feelings that they will have over and over again. Good feelings. Every time that they see you, every time your email comes in, every time they see you on social, those feelings are going to resurface once you've done your job of telling your story as soon as they've gotten to know you. I love that. And that's a great example, I think, to end on. I absolutely love that. And again, as brick and mortar business owners, it's so nice to get that Mm -hmm. warm greeting when somebody's coming in, especially if they're a new customer. It just starts the entire interaction off on our great foot. And 
as we all know, you know, a good positive first interaction with a customer is just a signal of how things are going to continue in the future. So I love Yeah, that. absolutely. So if we want to learn more about you and your business and brand story and things like that, where can we follow you? Yeah, you can just find me on brandmagnetic.com or you can find me on Instagram at brandmagnetic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Michelle. I love what you do. So it was, it was a pleasure. All right. That wraps up my conversation with Mariana from Brand Magnetic. As always, I've linked all of her information and website in the show notes of this episode. So don't forget to follow along with her and check out all of her resources. And as always, if you have a guest expert suggestion or a topic you'd like me to cover on this podcast or even on my YouTube channel, my Instagram is linked in the show notes as well. Feel free to send me a DM and let me know what you want to hear on this podcast. And if you found this episode helpful, the best way that you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a quick rating and review wherever you are listening. Have an amazing day, playmakers, and I will see you soon.